pitch explodes. What was your mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, <laughs> I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? He was so worked up, he vomited on the sideline and then just kept on yelling at his teammates, Steve. Coach, <laughs> Minshew mania, the mustache sensation has taken over Pullman. Well, I don't know. I don't even think he had a mustache when I recruited him. I don't recall. Becoming a sideline reporter for ESPN didn't make me popular. This thing did. I've been getting offers for it all day long. All right, guys, here we go. We're going to have one team, one heartbeat. All right, now we're going to play for each other. We're going to have each other's back. We're going to win this ball game. One team, one heartbeat. Here we go. go. That might be the best sideline report in the history of sideline reports. <laughs> Welcome into this episode of Sideline Pass Podcast. We are so excited. Chris, Molly, and Allison here with you as always. But we have a guest back on the podcast for the first time in a minute and a really special one at that. Uh, Lisa Byington joins us. You've seen her on pretty much every network, doing pretty much every job. (laughs) She does it all. She's a host, play-by-play reporter, uh, Big Ten Fox, CBS Turner, pretty much everywhere. And she's a trailblazer and a history maker in this business. Um, In 2017, she became the first female play-by-play voice for a football game on Big Ten Network, and she's been covering the NCAA men's tournament since 2017, but this past weekend, she became the first woman to do play-by-play for March Madness. Just absolutely awesome, and we're so excited to chat with you, Lisa. First of all, um, have you come down from this past weekend yet? <laughs> I've tried. You know, my last, so my last game was Sunday night. And I woke up Monday morning and I felt three things. I felt grateful. I felt happy and I felt tired. (laughs) And it, but it was so nice to just think about the fact that I didn't have to do anything that day, you know, like my work responsibilities were done. And I I actually have a few days off here where I don't have any assignments and uh, it's, it's wonderful. So I, I have been able to kind of take some time and just, digest everything. Everyone says, wow, it was a great weekend that you had. And and I think, was it really three days or three weeks? Because to me, <laughs> it really felt like three weeks. Okay. So, so much to get into because you called some incredible games, but let's start at the beginning. How did you get the call? Where were you and who called you when you found out that you were going to get this gig? Well, it was a text message. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's how everyone communicates these days, right? And, uh, and it, was, it was a text message from someone in management at Turner. And, um, you know, we had been in communication with CBS and Turner. Uh, I knew I was going to be a, a sideline reporter in, in January. And it was really the turn of the calendar, I guess, right around February, where they realized they were going to increase the number of broadcast teams this year from eight broadcast teams to 10. And so they were playing around with who do we want on those added broadcast teams as a play-by-play and analyst. Um, And so the text message was, would you be interested in doing play-by-play for the tournament this year? So I immediately followed up with a phone call (laughs) because I wanted to make sure that I was understanding what they were asking and that we were still talking about the NCAA tournament (laughs) and not some side tournament, you know? And so it was, and I just laughed because um, if, if you knew like some of the, the management people who I work with, they're so awesome. And, and they just never made this a big deal. Obviously they sent a text message, you know? And so to them, so the offer to me was never about let's make history. Uh, we're going to make you the first female play by play. It was, you do play by play. 
and you do play by play at some of the highest levels, even like the NBA, you know, when you filled in and stuff. So we're asking you as a play by play, and we think you're capable of doing this. Um, are you interested? And so it never was offered to me as the historic piece at all. That's amazing. I, I love that they were so nonchalant about it and it shows that they believe in you and that you belong. Um, but there are other people hitting you up, asking about the fact that this is something that's historic. There was a great article in the athletic about you, um, among many other places. Did you feel, I don't know, a little bit of pressure? Like how did you feel mentally going into this opportunity? I think whenever you do something like this and, and, and you all know being, being females in a very male dominated business that we have to be good and and we have to be good, not only every game that we do, but every minute that we're working and, but perfection is, is not going to happen. You know, we're all going to make some mistakes. So I think I just had to recognize that fact, like Lisa, this is a different week for you. And there's a, it's a different platform, different expectations, but you have to go about the preparation in the same way. So I had to compartmentalize and CBS and Turner were really good in terms of, handling the media for me, you know, they asked me what I was comfortable handling and when I wanted to cut it off. And, and so I gave them those parameters. So really after Tuesday of game week is when I could just focus on my job. And I, and I really tried, it was, it was a mental exercise and mental toughness. I really true believe, do believe it's a skill. And, and I really had to compartmentalize of this is what I do you know, so many days out of the year, it's calling a basketball game. And, and that's what I had to focus on. And, and I will say this. So my, oh, this is really happening moment. It came when uh, Steve Smith and I, we were able to get into a couple practices and we walked into Lucas Oil Stadium for the first time. And maybe because it was also Lucas Oil Stadium, which is also the site of the final four. So it was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Bankers Life Fieldhouse. It wasn't Hinkle. It wasn't Assembly Hall. It was, it was the final four site. So it's big, it's massive. And I walk in and I went, and it was the only time that I went all week, you know? And so I let myself feel that moment and digest that moment. And uh, I walked over to the broadcast table and I was the, I was the first one there, which was probably good at the time. And um, the, the teams hadn't arrived or anything. So literally the first one in the arena, other than maybe some of the audio people, and I took my boards out of my backpack and I put them down on the broadcast table. And I just had my own little moment, you know, and, and just kind of let it all settle in that, okay, feel what you're feeling now. Cause you're going to have to get past it tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's where you can't think of the, the magnitude of this. You can't think about how many people are watching. Uh, you have to think about you were hired for this job for a reason and you've done this job many, many, many times. And so that had to be the focus once the, the ball was tipped. What did you feel, though, when the ball was tipped? <laughs> Joy, excitement. Um, I'm not going to lie. There was, a, there was a knot in my stomach probably from the moment that I knew it was close to being announced um, throughout the games, really. And, and I will say this, the, the only time, the first time that I lost that knot in my stomach was it was at the end of the Abilene Christian um, Texas game. And when I made the final call and I like pushed myself away from the desk and, and I looked at um, our analyst, Steve Smith, and he looked at me and he was laying out. So he wasn't saying anything and he was just smiling and I was smiling back at him. And I was just like, 
like you handled it, you know, like it was like, you knew, like, so the NCAA tournament is made of big moments. Right. And so the big question, like for me and probably for a lot of people, what is she going to sound like in that big moment? And so when the big moment came and like, and and I, I knew I hit it, you know, and it was done, then it was like, it was a release. Like there it was, it happened and you hit it. And so it was a, it was a remarkable feeling. I love it. I bet you were like, I was, I bet you just going to like fist pump at the table. I wanted to for you. (laughs) And I love like that visual because that makes me think of like when Adam Amin had the calls in the women's tournament and they like pushed their chair back and it was just like, just soak this moment in. So game gets done. What are you reliving in your head? Like, did we can all be super critical of ourselves, but like, have you gone back and watch like how game gets over? What are you thinking? I didn't have time. Uh, we actually had a, a late assignment. We were assigned a second round game. So we were done with that game at like 1 a.m. And then we were given an assignment to work the next day. So immediately I'm kind of switching and thinking about that. But, um, you know, it was it was wild. It was the first time where you look at your phone and it's like, and, and you guys have all been a part of big games, right? Where everybody's watching. So you've experienced this as well, where it's like one text message after another text. Message. It's like, it's like a roll. It's like a broken clock, you know, that goes around and around and around. And so that to me was, I was just, I had to put the phone away. Uh, I haven't, I haven't gone back to watch the game yet and I will. Um, but you know, some of the surreal moments you, you hear your calls on radio shows, you hear your calls in the studio, you know, when, when they're previewing a team and, and so I've heard it and, you know, I, I was proud of it at that moment and, and I'm fine with it, you know, and, and we'll go back and I'll go back and I'll nitpick and, and some of the stuff during the game and stuff, but it's, it's, that's kind of stuff you have to nail if you're doing the NCAA tournament, you know, you got to nail that stuff. So I felt good about it. It's funny you bring up Adam because I actually, as weird as it sounds, I thought of Adam during that moment, like when I pushed myself away because I've watched that video of him call the the women's national championship game. And I had not had a moment like that as a play-by-play before, but being a play-by-play, I was trying to project what that felt like and the satisfaction of it. And the second I pulled myself away and I smiled and I looked at Smitty, I thought, oh, this is what Adam was feeling, you know? And, uh, and it was cool. And I hope every single person, whatever capacity that you're at, whatever role that you're at can have that kind of moment in your profession too. That's so cool. And that probably means a lot to Adam. I don't know if he knows that or not, that you thought of him in such a huge moment in your career. Um, Adam is one of the best. He probably, you know, reached out to you at some point, I'm sure. And you said that your phone was blowing up after those games. What were some of the most impactful text messages or messages from people that you received either before or after that really like made a difference for you? Uh, it got messages from men's basketball coaches even who are watching. And um, I've, I've heard from men's basketball coaches who are part of the tournament, you know? And so for me to, uh, we just don't think of coaches watching us, at least I don't, right, as fans. And so for me, that was kind of cool to to hear their perspective. Cause now, now they weren't a basketball coach anymore. They were like a viewer and they were a fan and they were appreciating the work that we were doing on a game. Cause I, I just don't feel like they go back and watch, you know, whatever we do. Um, but this kind of situation was different. So that was really neat. Um, I did hear from Adam before the tournament and um, he is one of the ones, I think he's one of the best at what he does. 
And uh, what he said to me was just awesome. You know, like he took probably the most minuscule game that I've done. And he said, it's just like this, you know, like it's, it's all, just don't make it bigger than what it is. And, and the words that he gave me um, meant so much. And there've been so many uh, mentors in the broadcasting world. Some people that I haven't even talked to in a while that you don't even know is watching or watching. And uh, it's that kind of stuff that, that just kind of registers like, um, you know, the, you always have the close knit people, the friends, the, um, the mentors and that sort of thing. Um, but you just realize that there's a little bit more people watching <laughs> in this kind of situation. Um, but as you guys know, I think it's the people within the business who know the business and the advice and the encouragement that you get from those kind of people that probably mean the most. And Adam was definitely one of them. So Lisa, take us through your journey a little bit. Um, I mentioned off the top, you've done pretty much everything in this business. How did you make that transition from reporter to the booth? And was that something you would always looked at doing? Was that the goal was to do play by play or kind of what was that evolution? Yeah, it wasn't the goal at all. Like when I was a little kid, I would always watch games and I never paid attention to the announcers. And so I was always watching like the athletes play because I always felt like, you know, I'm going to be the the first to play in the NBA because the WNBA (laughs) didn't exist at the time. And so I always thought that I could play like at the Olympics and professionally. And so that's why I watched games. I was never, I read all these stories about announcers who knew they were going to be a play-by-play when they were seven or eight years old. And that was so not me. So to answer your question, I mean, I just got, into the business in the local news level and then kind of worked my way up. You know, I was, I was working at a local CBS station as a weekend anchor in Lansing, Michigan, when the big 10 network came about in 2007. And so I was kind of in the right place at the right time because they were looking for people in big 10 cities. And so I got my start there and that was really the first time I ever did sideline reporting. I didn't know anything about it. It was literally learn on the job as you go. I was tethered um, at the time to a wall with a, a microphone. You guys can relate to this. <laughs> yeah, My IFB was tethered too. And so I literally sat on the sideline um, next to one of these carts. And I had written down like word for word, every single thing I was going to say on like a note card. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't able to move from sideline to sideline. And I felt like this is what the sideline reporting job is, you know? And I had no idea how far from it it was. So I've gone from that to just, you know, watching people like you, even in the business for sideline reporting and, uh, and, and just learning as you go. Um, and really some of the, the play-by-play stuff just came with the bosses saying, Hey, we want to try you at this. It wasn't even me initially pursuing it. And again, much like sideline reporting, I didn't really understand the job. And so once I started doing it, I appreciated it. And I started watching games, not as I want to be that athlete, but it was, I want to be that play-by-play. And so I would start listening to what I felt like worked and what didn't work and kind of growing from that point on. I feel like if, if one of my bosses had come and said like, Hey, we want you to play by play for basketball or football. Like my mind would just go because I wouldn't know where to begin on a prep level. And mm-hmm. we get very in the weeds on this podcast. So like, take us through the difference of preparing as if you were going to be a sideline reporter for a game versus the prep that it takes to do play by play. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, as you guys know, um, you know, I think with sideline, it's knowing main players and main storylines, right? And um, at the bare minimum, you can cut it off there because I I just feel like, and you guys all do a great job of this too, is more of your observations are more important in game, you know? So you obviously want to know where a team is coming from going into the game. 
um, and, and what a player has been dealing with and maybe their backstory. But but ultimately, it's your eyes that you're seeing in the game that I think it can be the most valuable as a sideline reporter. You know, for this, for, for play-by-play, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's different for every sport, but for just talking basketball, um, I, I want to know the main rotation players. And if that's as many as eight or nine, uh, I'm memorizing those players. So I'm at bare minimum watching the last game of every team that we do. And a lot of times I like to go back and watch at least two, you know, so that's, that's what eight hours total of just game watching, you know, you put your boards together, you read the game notes, you, you do, you read feature stories, you talk to the coaches and, and I just want to have a, a a couple of things. One is a, is a sense of maybe the highs and lows and a turning point of the season for a team. Um, I want to understand that as a play-by-play. Number two, I want to understand the rotations. You know, are, are they subbing in like two posts at a time? Is uh, Do they not have a backup point guard? I just want to understand all that. That's kind of what you get watching the game film. And then obviously the stats and that sort of thing, trends and storylines along that. Um, but I also want to read with, with their star players, you know, I'm still going to read like four to five features on each guy because I, I want to be able to understand if they're going to the free throw line, I want to help people understand what their story is, you know? So it's, it's for play by play. I feel like it's so many different levels. I'm going to interrupt you because you did that so well in the Abilene Christian, Texas game with, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name when he went to the line for the game winner. Oh, Joe Pleasant. Yeah, and he was a yeah. he was like a fifty percent free throw shooter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, keep going. But I was yeah. just like, I heard you say that. And I was like, well, obviously you prepared for that moment, and I that because I started tuning into that game kind of late, and like that really registered with me, um, and helped me understand, no pun intended, what was on the line for those guys. I have a question since you mentioned that, Allison. Like, when in that game did you start realizing like people are going to start tuning in now? Like, I like we're we're going to have to reset what has just happened and where we're at. Like, is that consciously going through you, or is that producer? Yeah, a little, a little bit. And and I think it's I've told people this too. Is you know people were asking about how do you come up with the final call? You know, like for that for that game, it was believe the unbelievable, and it was um, probably under the the eight minute media timeout. And, um, what I do in commercial breaks is, uh, well, Bart Fox, we all know Bart Fox, one of our, you know, producers, and, um, he's been a great mentor to me. He's always been one to tell me, um, go big picture, you know, and, and a lot of people, a lot of play-by-plays, a lot of the people who I've tried to tap into their knowledge, don't forget about the 30,000 foot perspective, right? So Chris, when I'm reminding myself of that every commercial break, and it probably was under that eight minute media timeout that all that was, I was processing like there's okay. Cause what are you guys all doing as viewers? You're saying, Oh, this is a close game. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tune in. You might not care if it's 13 minutes left in the first half, but if it's 13 minutes left in the second half or even eight minutes left in the second half, we're tuning in. So is that thought process? So I write down words in commercial breaks uh, for the 30,000 foot view. And so for that game, I wrote down the word unbelievable on my, on my scrap piece of paper. And because I wanted to put myself in the shoes at that moment of the Abilene Christian fan base and to them beating quote unquote, the team in Texas, that they don't have the resources. They don't have the money. They've been a division two school for, for so many years ago and now have transitioned to division one. 
this, and it wasn't dramatic, this was their David versus Goliath moment. And so I wrote down the word unbelievable because I just wanted to remind myself, what is it going to feel like if they win this game? And, and what does this feel like for the final eight minutes, you know, for that fan base um, going through that game? And so did I script out like what you say at the end? No, but I had that, that word unbelievable in my subconscious. And, and so believe the unbelievable was organic and it came out when I saw them throw the ball in the air and, and celebrate this monstrous, and it was arguably um, the biggest win in school history, you know, um, to do that. I feel like that's what makes great broadcasters, aside from good broadcasters, is the fact that you were able to view it from, you know, 30,000 feet above. And it's it's so easy to get caught up in the nitty gritty and hometowns and little details, but you were able to pull yourself back. I think that's incredible um, that you were able to do that. And a, a big part of that, obviously, is the prep and feeling comfortable with the teams and knowing what the season was like for a team like Abilene Christian and uh, things like that. And, and part of that is the process, right? We love our jobs because we, we sometimes don't love the process, but you have to find a way to get through the process of preparing. And that reminds me of the process that a lot of athletes go through. And you wrote a beautiful blog post on your website about how you played sports in a really scrappy way. And that's how you prepare for games. Like you're really scrappy and you get into the weeds and you love the process of that. Um, how have you seen that benefit you as a play-by-play, especially last week as you were preparing for, you know, one of the biggest assignments of your career to date, but you're only going to be doing bigger things. But um, h- how do you think that that background and like loving that process has helped you? I've just always been under the philosophy, like, you know, just playing sports, like you mentioned, Molly. Um I'm never going to get outworked, you know, there might be someone who might be better, but I'm never going to get outworked with my, my preparation. And, um, Allison, you brought up the the Joe Pleasant, you know, fact about him being a 50% free throw shooter. I have to give a nod to, to Steve Smith, who had the same sort of philosophy because he and I actually talked about it pregame, you know, so I don't know, we already had set the stage, but he had talked to me about, Hey, this, this kid, like, shoots really well from three point territory, but isn't a great free throw shooter, you know? And so it's, it's all that it's not just me, but it's, it's everybody in this business who, if you put in the time, you never know when that moment's going to come. And so I just never want to be unprepared for that big moment because I didn't prepare. And, and that's what, that's what motivates me to do the job that, that I try to do. What was hard about this assignment is we had five games and 10 teams that were all brand new, at least to me. I didn't have you know one repeat team that I had covered throughout the whole year. And you guys know how challenging that is. So that was a challenge to me. And, and some of the play-by-plays that I had called who had either done this tournament in the past or were doing the tournament this year, the one thing they told me is they said, Lisa, I know how hard you work. And I know how, as we say, you know, goes into the weeds and, and takes a deep dive in the weeds. You cannot do that. And that is going to yeah. be hard for you to do. And that was the hardest lesson that, you know, quote unquote, I had to learn is I can't prepare for the NCAA tournament the way I have prepared for a normal regular season game. Because uh, you are used to knowing everything about everyone. So you have to pick and choose how you go about it and, and what you focus on. 
Yeah, it's hard because you are such a perfectionist. And I think we all take a lot of pride in our preparation. And then when you're forced to just go out and rely on your craft, it's a little little unnerving. You mentioned Smitty. How huge was that to be partnered with him? Uh, extremely huge. Like we have, um, so when I was, I mentioned that I was in local news and when I was a local reporter in Lansing, Michigan at the CBS affiliate, that's when I first met Steve Smith. Because being a Michigan State grad, he would come back in the summers and he would bring his his little boys who are now, one of them's a walk-on now on Michigan State. So, and they barely like came up to my knees at that time. But uh, he would come back in the summer and we would um, we would do camps and we would cover him, you know, doing camps and stuff. I ended up playing in actually a couple of golf outings with him. And, and so we kind of met in that way. So we've known each other for, you know, 10 plus years. And it just gave me, as you guys know, like your crew is your family. And, and if you guys all click and you've got chemistry and you're comfortable with one another, like that's, that can be TV magic. Right. And so I was, I was actually nervous about who they would put me with because I thought that's going to be huge, you know, um, because I'm going to be judged by even more so by the chemistry and my interaction with whoever this analyst is. And it would help to have someone who has done the tournament before, you know, like, and so, so I'm processing all of that. And then they had asked me, would you be comfortable with Steve Smith? And like, they couldn't even get out Smith. And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would be comfortable with Steve Smith. Thank you very much. Please make that happen. And we just had a blast. And, you know, I, I appreciated there was a, there was a radio announcer who came up to us before the game. And he said, I've listened to you guys. And it sounds like you guys take care of each other during the broadcast. Yeah. And I thought that was such an awesome compliment. And it was one that I had never gotten before, but to take care of each other, you're not trying to one up each other, you know, you're supporting each other, you're trying to make each other better. And I just thought that was an awesome compliment for both of us to hear. We've all, and Allison and I lately try having to cover games in COVID where you can't go to a shoot around. I mean, what were the challenges for you? I know that you, I'm sure you did Zoom calls, but you're still not getting, like, imagine if that place was packed, you know, on the free throw line or being able to just plop a seat next to someone during practice. What were the biggest challenges for you um, in the event in the COVID era? I think it was, especially for me as a play-by-play, it's IDing people quickly, you know, especially when they're new players, new teams. Um, it's it's all that. And so the, for the two practices we were able to go to, it, ironically, it was Abilene Christian in Texas. And it was so worthwhile for me to be able to see those players in person because players look bigger and smaller in person, you know, just as an example, than they do on TV. And that's just a small little nuance that you get when you see them in person. Um, but I missed that. And uh, I had to, there was a lot more time on the front end where I had to call, you know, we normally have practices. So one of my favorite days of the NCAA tournament is you usually have four games on the first day and you literally get to sit through all of the eight practices and you get to meet the head coaches and you get to talk to the players face to face. We barely had time to talk to all the head coaches, let alone players. So we missed out, at least from our side, from the analysts and play-by-play side, we missed talking out to the players and we missed just sitting with the SIDs, you know, for that 40 minutes or whatever time that these teams are allotted to practice on the court. Um, So I was making phone calls to these SIDs, you know, before we even got to Indianapolis and just asking them all the questions I would have asked them while sitting at a practice. So it's, it's totally that, that interaction. And for me, it's just 
seeing the players in person and what they look like. It, it just, it's so incredibly different than what you see on TV. Yeah. It's so helpful seeing people face to face and even just getting a couple minutes with them to be able to talk to them. And that makes the comfortability, like you're just so much more comfortable around them, especially going into interviews, IDing players, as you mentioned, which is something you have to do as a play-by-play. Um, I'm interested though, like you mentioned that you talked to some play-by-plays before the tournament, maybe to get, I don't know, words of advice or people who've done the tournament before. I'm interested what some of those conversations were like. Yeah. And so I'm glad you didn't ask me to name names because then I get nervous that I'm going to forget someone because there's been so many people, as you guys know, right? Like there's so many people who mean so much to you and they've helped in in certain ways. Um, I, I think the most meaningful ones I had were just reaching out, like I said, to the people who have done it before or who were doing it this year. And I said, uh, take me through once you get your assignment, what do you do on day one, what you do on day two, what you do on day three. And, um, you know, I mentioned previously, they all had said, you need to pull back on the prep, number one, you know, like you cannot, Lisa Byington, you cannot prep the way you want to prep and you have to be okay with that. And so that was helpful to know. Um, It was just a matter of like, after I get my assignment, I'm getting the shells done of my play-by-play boards that I do and then um, putting the stats in. And then the next day it's, it's just watching video, you know? Um, I had a play-by-play announcer tell me that what they do is they go through the whole first half and they literally are start, stop, start, stop. There's Jones, there's Smith, there's Collins, there's, and they, and then they hit play and then they let the play go through and then they stop it again. There's Jones again, there's Smith, there's Collins, there's, you know, because at the play-by-play, you have to get that, that memorization like programmed into your brain. And so to do that so early in the week, and maybe it's only a half with each team, because if you've got, you know, eight teams to prepare for, you can't spend multiple hours of video on each team. So maybe it is only a half, but for me to hear that. So finally I felt like, okay, for this massive assignment and, and all of this information that's being thrown at you, um, at least I had a game plan because of, of some of those conversations that I had. By the way, I just want to say, I love that you reached out to those people and said, take me through what you do day one, day two. A lot of people would be too proud, especially, you know, as a woman, you want to think I can do this all myself. You know, I don't need help or advice from people. Hell yeah, you do. Like it's, it's nice to lean on the people in your business and in your industry. I think it's amazing that you took the um, prerogative to reach out to people and to ask for their advice. And it probably meant a lot to them too. So that's what makes you so good at what you do. The fact that you weren't too proud and that you wanted advice from people who were doing it. That's awesome. I'm curious. Do you save your boards? Do you save your credential? What I do. I actually, cause I've done some interviews today. Um, I have them right next to me. Do you guys want to? Yeah. Hell I mean, yeah. Yeah. Will you, um, will you save them? Will they like? Be I like- will save them. So this is uh, Abilene Christian in Texas. Way more information. Wow. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I go color coded, and and for people who can't see this, um, I go color coded. So I highlight the starters in yellow. Um, green are more uh, evergreen stories, and so things that are more featurey that would be nice to get in to be, you know give perspective. Um, I give pink to either injuries, you know, kind of like pink, red sort of thing. Um, I also give pink to like kind of red hot stats, um, you know, and so, and then I have orange with um, maybe secondary stats, you know, so, so pink would be, you know, Hey, he was four for four from three in, in the last game. 
Um, orange might be something like um, a little bit deeper than that. Like he's gone, you know, 53 of 56 from the free throw line, but, but stats that I think is important that, you know, you guys just saw the board. So I have words everywhere. So my eyes have to go, you know, I have to be able to guide my eyes, you know, instantaneously. And so that's where I feel like the highlighter on some of those uh, stats and, and information helps because it, it takes my eyes to one place. I'm a terrible highlighter. <laughs> I tried to do that with hosting and do color coded for different things. And next thing I know, I have the pink instead of the orange and then it highlighted wrong and I don't have time to redo it. And so I like just no color means anything for me, like not keep it right. Um, Lisa, I mentioned off the top, you know, what you accomplished as far as being the first woman, woman to call play by play in the tournament. And I have to share this with you because I thought this was so cool and so telling. I was watching the game, um, the Albaline Christian Texas game with my husband. And we tuned in, like I said, uh, late in the second half. And I kept waiting for him to be like, who's calling this? Or is that a woman calling this? Because he pays attention more than ever to women in this business. He never even said a thing. Really? It was totally normal for him. And I thought, wow. That's what we've been waiting for, is for this to be normal, to hear a woman calling a game. And I think it's starting to become that because in the past, if it was, you know, Beth on the NFL or Debbie Antonelli as the analyst, he would just inquire or even Doris, like whoever it was, he'd be like, hey, who is that? Or, you know, do you work with her mm-hmm. and, and ask a question? And he never said a thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hell yeah. And my sister <laughs> I talked to after the game and we were talking about the the call at the end against Texas and how questionable it was and some of the other things. And she's like, yeah. And even, you know, the woman announcing it mentioned earlier in the game, she'd never seen him switch out the basketball like that before in the tournament, but didn't, didn't bring attention to the fact that it was a woman, just that the woman calling the game, like that's a normal thing. And I thought how freaking cool that two people in my life who really pay attention to women in this industry, mm-hmm. it was like, a normal thing for them to hear a woman call a man's game. I just thought that was so cool and says a lot, hopefully about where we're getting. I hope so too. And, uh, you know, I wrote in my, in my blog that my goal is to have it be background noise. Cause you, you think of how many times you guys listen to games and everybody listens to games and they never stop to say exactly what you're referencing, Allison, who said announcer. And, um, it doesn't, it, you know, I, I get credit to your people in your world because it still doesn't happen as frequently as it should. And there were plenty of people who heard my voice on a game trying to figure out who it is, but, but we need that, you know, and, and a lot of people have asked the question, you know, how did I feel about being the first? And I keep saying that I'm uncomfortable with that because of all the people that you just mentioned that, you know, the, the Pam Wards, the Beth Moens, the Doris Burks, and, and so many women, so many um, play-by-plays and, and analysts and sideline reporters who have had their own first. And if they don't succeed in whatever world or whatever stage they are in, then we don't succeed as well. And so this is, we're all in this together. You know, this is not just one person's story it's um, it's a uh, it's a story of men and women because let's be honest, men have to be gender allies in this in this story as well. And men and little boys watching that are just as important as little girls and women watching something like that. And so this is all just part of the piece of the process from the past to the present to hopefully a much better future for for all of the little kids growing up right now. 
Well, I think that's a, a great way to wrap it up right there. And Lisa, thank you for sharing your story. You've been a, a friend and a colleague for many years, and it's awesome to have you on the show. Congratulations on your success. I know uh, we couldn't be happier and more proud of the job you're doing. So keep kicking butt, and thank you so much for, for joining us here. Well, I, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that it's an honor to be asked to be on this podcast because the three of you are great at your jobs and, and three very strong women in this profession and in life. And so it was an honor for me to be asked um, to be on here with you guys. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank and you. if you're listening, thank like, you. share, do all the podcasty things. <laughs> we'll podcasty things. Yeah. We'll see you next time on the Sideline Pass podcast.